Our scripture reading today is Numbers 33, 50 through 56. That's Numbers 33, 50 through 56. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their metal images and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and settle in it. For I have given you the land I've given the land to you to possess it. You shall inherit the land by law according to your clans. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance, and to a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Wherever the lot falls for anyone, that shall be his. According to the tribes of your fathers you shall inherit. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, from before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in, in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. And I will do to you as I thought to do to them. May God bless the reading of his word. Smith Grove Road in Easley, South Carolina. Brushy Creek Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina, Camp McCall in Sunset, South Carolina, a small town in northern Pennsylvania where I was able to be a part of a church there, Huntsville, Alabama, Moscow, Russia, Ginger, Uganda, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Bunn, North Carolina, Orlando, Florida. These are places that I've been through my life where I've experienced and or learned something that has been life-altering. And as I look back on them, when I call the name Moscow, Russia, or Ginger, Uganda, or Sunset, South Carolina, I'm reminded immediately of what God did in my life in those places. As you come to a text like Numbers chapter 33, we read through all of these names that no one in this room can pronounce. I didn't have anybody read that. I threatened Wiley with it, but none of us could read through that smoothly and us all get it because the names are so difficult and we would be so confused even by them. We can look at a map and see where God has drawn the path of the people of Israel, but we're tempted just to skip over some texts like we come to here in our next to the last sermon in the book of Numbers. Today we'll look at what God has done through His servant Moses here specifically in 32, 33, and 34 reminding the people of what they had experienced and learned in the wilderness and instructing them on entering the promised land. If you're just joining us this morning, Numbers has been a story about a people between times. They have had the Lord deliver them. He has purchased them and and brought them miraculously out of slavery and bondage. He has made possible their redemption and yet he has not brought them into the promised land they are on their way and in the same way God has 
purchased our redemption and yet we are not where we're going to be. And so we identify with these people, this story of a people that are sojourners, travelers through a land on the way to a land of promise and plenty, just like we are. Along the way, the people have grumbled and complained. They've rebelled and experienced God's judgment. They've seen mercy and they've experienced God's grace. They've seen God's power to deliver them and they've seen God's power to judge them. They and we have learned of God's unwavering commitment to keep His promise to Abraham. And that promise given first in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you life and land so that through you I can bring the Messiah, the Savior. He will be born of the seed of Abraham so that he would bring deliverance for all people. So Abraham, through you... I will bless all nations, and those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. So Abraham, I will preserve your line because I have made a commitment to bring Jesus into the world, and he is going to bring redemption, and he will provide a way for me to bring all of my creation, all of my people who bear my image. I will be able to bring them through faith in Christ to the promised land. And so the people in Numbers chapter 32 are camped on the edge of the Jordan River in the plains of Moab. And God is showing them. There's the promised land. Church, this is not the first time they've seen it. Perhaps the first time some of this generation has seen it though. And they're standing there and the question is, will you be faithful? To go into the land. Text that Wiley read for us is in chapter 33. So I want to call your attention there. But I want you to open. Keep your Bibles open. Because we're going to look at chapter 32. And some of 33. As we go through our sermon today. I want you to look at verse 50 and 51. The Lord speaks to Moses in the plains of Moab. By the Jordan at Jericho. They're standing on the side of the river. And the Lord says to Moses. Verse 51. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan. I love the way that God speaks to His people. His question here, there's no question here. It is not if you pass over, it is when you pass over. God has had a commitment to bringing the people sovereignly and graciously into the promised land and He is going to do so. They are standing on the banks of the Jordan. And this is significant in chapter 33 because of what we see in chapter 32. So I want you to back up and let's cover chapter 32 briefly this morning so that we can get the idea of what God is saying in the text that we have before us. Chapter 32, the Bible starts speaking to us of the tribes of Gad and Reuben. 
If you remember when the people of Israel come into the plains of Moab, they have already won some battles. They are coming up into this land that God has given them. They come around the east side of the land and they're going to cross the Jordan going west into the land of Canaan and they have already won some battles that God has miraculously delivered the king of Og, excuse me, Og, the king of Sion, and the king uh, uh, Balak. He's defeated them, and they have taken control of some land. If you remember in chapter 31, there was much plunder that God gave them of sheep and cattle. And so when they get to this high plains above Jericho, above uh, uh, the, the Jordan River as they look onto the land. They're in this high plains and there are two tribes that come together and they say, this is really fertile land for our livestock. And we have a lot of livestock. We've just taken it from the people that God let us defeat. Why don't we just stay here? So they come to Moses, the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben, and they say, if we found favor in your sight, Moses, Eleazar, they come to the heads of the congregation, and they say, if we found favor in your sight, we'll just take the land where we are currently, and you guys go into the promised land, the land promised to Abraham. But this is a good land. Things are good here. We have won a couple of battles. We're just going to stay here, if that's okay with you. I want you to know they are not taken very kindly. Look at verse 6. Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, this is chapter 32, verse 6, Shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and He swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed Me. None except Caleb son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and He made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation had done evil, that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. Behold, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will again abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all this people. Moses doesn't take too kindly to people once again looking at the promised land and saying, I think we have it okay here. Do you remember the people of Israel on multiple occasions in the wilderness journey that you and I have walked with them on? They have said, we had it better in Egypt. We at least had fish there. We don't have anything but this manna here. Why doesn't God feed us? Here, the people in the second generation. And the question that you and I have had the entire book is, will they be faithful and take the land? And Gad and Reuben say, we like where we are. This is enough, Lord. 
We don't want to go on and Moses says, please, do not stir up the anger of the Lord by being satisfied with where you are. Go into the land that God has promised you. Will you rebel just like your fathers? Note this. Just just make a mental note. You ought to know this. You have the tendency to follow in the sins of your parents and your grandparents. And that's what's happening here. We inherit some of our stubborn, hard-hearted, rebellious ways from generations that have gone before us And you should be aware of that. God says, why would you stir up the anger of the Lord yet again? They come back to Moses, by the way, in verse 16 and following. They say, well, Moses, here's here's what we'll do. We do like this land. We like what's going on here. And we want to stay here. But what we'll do is we'll settle our sheep here. And we'll go with you guys into the land. And and we'll help you take the land. And then we'll come back and camp here. And we'll just, we'll take this as our inheritance. So we'll go with you. We'll fight with you. So we'll go across the Jordan. But then listen, listen to their commitment because of their comfort. We'll cross back over the Jordan and come outside the promised land and take our inheritance here on this side of the Jordan. Moses said, okay, that'll be a compromise. If you'll do this and not return until every square inch of the land is conquered, then you will be free to return. But if you do not, look at verse 23, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. You will live with the consequences of your sin. The rest of chapter 32 says, Moses tells Eleazar, he tells Joshua, because they're the ones that are going to lead the people across the Jordan into the land so that they'll know. And in verse 33, Moses gives them the land and adds the half-tribe of Manasseh who settled in Gilead, which by the way, in chapter 34, we're going to look at the borders of the land of Israel. Dan and, uh, excuse me, Gad and Reuben are inheriting land outside of the borders of God's promised land. Here in the end of chapter 32, the half-tribe of Manasseh actually inherits land that's inside the borders, and so they're not mentioned till the very end. Get this. I want you to get this picture clearly in your head. There are two tribes of people among the 12 tribes of Israel. They're camped on the bank of the Jordan They're looking at the promised land and they say, we're okay right here. We'll help you guys get in, but we like this outside of the promised land. Do you see how Moses is in a rage about this? There's a time to be in a rage and Moses is there. And as I've prayed about bringing this message to you this week, I've wanted to say, Lord, give us a glimpse of the rage of Moses who has been told, Moses, you can see the promised land, but you can't go. These folks can go into the promised land and they don't want to. Moses, why would you kindle the anger of God and the possibility of discouraging the heart of the people. That they may not want to go yet again either. 
And God's wrath will be poured out on these people. What do they see there that is so great that keeps them from desiring to go into what God has promised? And I want to say to you by way of application, don't lose sight of what God has promised to you. And get so comfortable here that you're not longing for then. I'm afraid that there are a lot that would be in the tribe of Reuben and Gad in our day. God has blessed us in this nation incredibly. We have more resources than we've ever had. We have more material goods than we've ever had. And you and I have the tendency to be comfortable here and to say, God, you've brought me far enough. This land looks great. I think I'll stay on this side of the Jordan. Praise God for all those people that love heaven. Uh, They love it. This is my heaven. I like here. And we put all of our efforts in here. Let me just say to you that even though they go across and fight with the people and they come back, this incident starts a breaking of the unity of the tribes, of the people of Israel, of the children of Abraham, that will not go well in coming generations. They will fight amongst themselves. We must keep our eyes on the goal and let God's kingdom be our driving motivation behind everything we are doing. Church, As the old hymn says, we are bound for the promised land. Let's go together as one, with one mind, one heart, one mission. Don't get so settled here. Nothing that we have here will last. Focus on what is eternal. Let me just say... As I was praying about the sermon, I really feel like I could stop there and we should all be on our faces before God, pastor included, repenting. We like here too much. We love the song. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go today. What's your longing for? What's the fight in you for? Is it here? Or is it something that's eternal? So, chapter 33 then makes sense. You have two tribes that have said, we want to stay here. Moses says, you're going to discourage the heart of the people by doing so. But we'll compromise with you. And so Moses, who's already been told you're going to die outside the promised land. Moses, you can't go in. And these people that want to go in, they can go in and they don't want to. And so Moses in chapter 33 recounts their journey through writing. In verses 1 through 4, Moses writes down their starting places stage by stage as the Lord commands him. It's the first time in the book that we've seen God is commanding them, commanding Moses to write it down. And so, in verse 3, he begins, They set out from Ramesses, 
It's chapter 33, verse 3. On the first day, uh, excuse me, on the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the day after Passover, the people went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians while the Egyptians were burying their firstborn. We have Moses giving his own testimony. Let me show you what is happening. And so he says, there is another threat of rebellion here by two tribes. Let me remind you where we've been. You were in slavery and bondage and God miraculously delivered you. The last of the plagues. Remember, when you went out of Egypt... The Egyptians were burying their firstborn, and the only reason you weren't burying your firstborn is because of the grace of our God. Because of His sacrificial love for you, pointing you to the cross that will give you life, His judgment was not poured on you, rather His favor. And so God redeemed you and brought you out of the land. And so... Moses then recounts from Ramesses to the plains of Moab where they currently are, 40 locations that they set out and encamped. They set out and they encamped. They set out and they encamped 40 times, you read it in this text, that they set out and then they encamped. And there's a lot here. I challenge you to get a study Bible read through chapter 33 and go back and remind yourself of what God is doing. Moses is going to remind the people, all of them, God has done some incredible things and He is able to take you across this river into the promised land. Don't forget it. Don't take your eyes off of it. Don't settle for anything less. God is able. Trust Him and go with Him. So they learn some lessons by these places. You read them and it doesn't say what they learned. But for example, I don't think that they could ever hear the name of Baal Zaphon down in verse 7 without thinking we were camped with Pharaoh to our back and Egypt Pharaoh coming in on us, the Red Sea to our faces, and we didn't know what God was going to do. And overnight, God sent a cloud, and He covered us, and He parted the waters, and we woke up, and the waters were parted, and we crossed on dry land, and the Egyptians followed us, and God let the waters go, and it swallowed up the army of Egypt. God has been with us to deliver us. They could not read the words Rephidim or Mara or Elam without thinking we were in the desert and there was no water and God provided water. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that the water that God gave was from the rock and the rock was Christ in the desert. So Moses goes through these 40 places and he reminds them, God provided you food when there was no food. He provided you victory over enemies. He gave you His law to know how to please Him. He judged you when you were sinful and yet had mercy. In verse 38, we have the pinnacle at the death of Aaron. This is like Moses' memoirs and he comes to Aaron and he says, Aaron died on the mount because he can't enter the land. And he's reminding them, I can't enter the land. You go enter the land. 
God has provided it for you. He has preserved you these 40 years in the wilderness and now He has you at the edge of the Jordan. Go take the land. And so Moses assures the people in chapter 33 that God can and will bring you into the land of promise. And so now go to our text. Verse 50, the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, look at this, when you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan. Not if, when you do, I'm taking you there, I've preserved you for it. So when you go, look at verse 52 and here's our instruction. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you and destroy all their gods. I'm paraphrasing there. Everything that is a place of worship, destroy it. Verse 53, and you shall take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. Let me say my point and then give you some application and maybe one clarification. My point God has given it to you. You must take it. Did you hear that? God has given it to you. You must take it. How could God do this? Point of clarification. Driving out all the people in Canaan. Driving out the Amorites. I remind you that our God is a gracious and patient God. Not only with Israel but with you and me, and with the Amorites. In Genesis chapter 15, God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. Abraham, I want you to look at all the land of Canaan. He takes him through it, and he shows him. He says, this is what I'm going to give you. He walks Abraham through the land of Canaan, and he says, but you're going to go to Egypt for 400 years. Why? Because the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full. What in the world does that mean? It means that our God is getting ready to use Israel to judge the Amorites. But he said, I'm going to give them 400 years to turn. So don't think that our God is being ungracious in giving the people the land here. I'm going to take you to Egypt and hold 400 years, Abraham, because their iniquity is not yet full. I'm not yet ready to punish them. I'm going to give them 400 years to turn, and they won't do it, so I'm going to take you into the land now. You will be my judgment upon Canaan, and I'm going to give you this land. And so he brings the people of Israel into the land, and he says to them four things. Look at it. Drive out all the inhabitants. Destroy all. All that is worship of other gods, take possession and settle there. It's a great instruction. This is what God tells us in Romans chapter 6. I have purchased your redemption, now take it. He says, I have made you my own, now don't give yourselves to unrighteousness. I have made you just like Jesus, now live like it. That's what he tells you. I've given you holiness, now possess it. Drive out anything in you that doesn't look like Jesus. Drive it out. Destroy anything in you that takes you from being like Jesus. Destroy it. Take possession 
of the inheritance that is yours. The spiritual blessings that I have given you in Christ. Take possession of them. They are yours. Settle there. Live, church. Live in eternity. Live with your mind Going to where God is taking you. Don't focus so much on the problems here. Is it going to be desert? Yes. Is there going to be lack of water? Yes. Are you going to be temporary here? Yes. Is it like living in a tent? Absolutely. There's going to be hardships here. But you don't belong here. Your home is there. Take it. Church this morning. want you to hear the gravity of what God is saying to you. I have given you abundant life. Take it. But you'll never take it if you're satisfied on this side of the Jordan. Whatever you think on this side of the Jordan that's going to provide you abundant life, happiness, wholeness, it will not. So, real simple. What needs to be driven out of your life? What needs to be destroyed in you? What is it that you know God has given you that you say, I need to take possession of that righteousness? Where is it that you need to settle? For some of you, it's a habit. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, it could be as big as a job. For some of you, it could be any number of things. You need to drive out, destroy, take possession of a spiritual discipline. That's like Christ. Settle to be like Christ. Some of you need to settle in our church. By that I mean get involved in the instruction and discipleship and membership and small group. And in relationships with others that will push you toward Christ. It's your inheritance. That's what he says. It's your inheritance. It's I'm giving it to you. It is yours. Very quickly. And I close, God also gives them a warning, doesn't he? Verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. Some of you know exactly what he's talking about, don't you? Because you thought, well, Lord, I'll give you my Sundays. I can't give you this habit. I can't give you this relationship. I can't give you this thinking. And it has already come back to bite you. I'll say to you, if there's anything in your life, anything at all, that you can't hold with open hands before God and say, God, this is yours. It's yours. You've given it to me for this time, but it's yours. If there's anything, it will become a barb and a thorn to you. Driving you away from God. So be cautious. Whatever today that you're holding on to too tightly on this side of the Jordan. And you're not looking for what is to come. 
it is going to be to you. Whatever you let remain will be barbs in your eyes, thorns in your side, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. Verse 56, second part of this. And I'll do to you as I thought to do to them. I don't have time to get into it, but chapter 34 says, here's the northern, the southern, the western, and the eastern border of the land that I'm giving you. Now divide it up. Here are the people of each tribe that I want you to divide it up. You're going to divide it by lot to tribe, and then within the tribe, this leader of that tribe will divide it between the heads of the households in that tribe. And the interesting thing is, listen, Israel never, even under Solomon, even under David, Israel never possesses the entirety of the land that God is promising them here. I've given it to you, take it, they never do. So, just like us, just like them, God says, if you won't do it, if you won't drive them out, and they don't, if you don't destroy all their high places, and they don't, then I'll do to you as I thought to do to them. In 586 B.C., God finally completes that hundreds of years later from here. And Israel is carted off like slaves, taken, spread out in Babylon. Why? Because God made a promise. I've given it to you. Take it. But if you'll not drive out everything that draws you from me, you're going to have trouble. I'll do to you as I thought to do to them. Some of you sitting right here, you're in the midst of that trouble because if truth be told, you would say, I tried to come to Christ, I tried to follow after Him, but I wouldn't surrender everything. Why not? The land that He has promised is so much greater. What are you holding on to so tightly here that you're willing to lose all that God has in eternity? Will you today in this time, surrender whatever the Holy Spirit has revealed in you. Would you take some moments just to say, Lord, I lay it down. It's yours. I won't hold on to it any longer. I give it to you. I just want you. Just God is more than you could ever imagine. Just His promises. Just eternity. Just the king that is going to be king forever that says, I want you to inherit with me. I want you to rule with me. What are you holding on to so tightly that you're not willing to do that? On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land.